0: What is a hamburger? A hamburger is different from a beef burger, right? Because hams comes from pigs. Yeah, that's not where the name
1: comes from. It's Hamburg, the place. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's nothing to do with hamburglers? No. Smashing Security, episode 55: Uber, net neutrality, and website hacks with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, episode 55, for the 30th of November 2017. I'm Graham Cluley, And I'm Carol Terrio. And once again, we are going to dive into the murky waters of cybersecurity. security. Um, but hey, Carol, uh, in the last regular episode, we missed a big story, didn't oh, we? Oh, yeah, we did. Uber's farcical data breach incident. 57 million uh, account users found that they had been compromised by a hack. A hack which is said to have happened back in October 2016, but has only been made public a year later. Not because Uber didn't know about it, yeah, but, but because Uber covered it up.
1: I know, it's so shameful. I think you should just tell the story. Just give, give the highlights of how it actually happened from what you've pieced together so far, because it's just fascinating.
0: It seems that Uber found out October 2016 that they'd been hacked and these attackers had accessed a a, a GitHub code insight used by some Uber engineers. They'd stolen credentials, which they grabbed from there, to access an Amazon Web Services account where Uber had other information. And via that, the hackers were able to make off of all this information. So far, so normal for a data breach. Mm. But, of course, this is Uber, which... I don't know if you've ever traveled by, but I, I found them. I have. Yeah, it's really convenient, right? It's a great app, and you think, wow, this is amazing. I'm in a taxi. Woohoo, working. But. By all accounts, not that great a company.
1: Totally loved giving them my credit card details as well. Loved that
0: (laughs) bit. In in some ways, similar to Amazon, right? Where you get a fantastic service, but there are reports that maybe they're not a terrific company. Reports. There's been like... They've not
1: stopped (laughs) being in the news for the last, like, at least six
0: months. (laughs) Well, here's the interesting thing. So they discovered this data breach had occurred. And it appears that Uber covered it up. Um, mm-hmm. Their security team, which was led at the time by Joe Sullivan. Someone
1: uh, that we've had a few encounters with. We've
0: yeah. had a couple of run-ins with Joe. In our over past, years. yeah. Hi, Joe, <laughs> if you're listening. Well, I doubt it. When we've uh, written about Facebook security issues, well, he moved on to Uber. And he was spearheading the company's response to the breach by giving the attackers 100 thousand dollars in the form of a bug bounty in order to keep the breach quiet and please don't do anything with the data it shut the f- money right <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right right and they didn't inform anyone didn't inform the users didn't inform the authorities who already investigated in uber for a number of other reasons and no
1: one will ever know
0: <laughs> well unfortunately um the new ceo who came in in september this year just found out about it last week yeah, and kicked Joe and one of Joe's buddies out of Uber and said, you're no longer running security because we can't trust you, and said that this was reprehensible, which I, I think it was, quite frankly. I, I, think, I think it's not so much the pain of the hackers, because that does happen, of course. Um, hackers do try and extort money out of businesses, and sometimes it can be pragmatic, maybe, to... Pay that, because that's a whole that's one whole debate. What I think is outrageous is not telling those users, not coming clean and saying we've had a security incident and trying to sweep it under the carpet. It is quite cool that the new
1: CEO um, has basically you feel you feel like she's lifted up a bit of furniture and found this Hornet's nest.
0: I know their name is Dara, but I've got a feeling it's a chap. <laughs> I'll just Google image and try and work it out. Oh, Yes, Dara has got a beard. Okay. <laughs> yes, Dara is a man. Um. Anyway.
1: So I'm going to say that again. So I think it's good that at least the new CEO has come in and, you know, however, opened a drawer and found this hornet's nest and is coming clean even though it's going to hurt the reputation it's not good
0: for for uber as a company what reputation uber has got an appalling reputation as it is already this is the only sensible course of action it can take because if any more cans of worms like this are are discovered it's going to be the death of this well would it though I, i wonder if i mean you know i have to ask myself would i not use uber after this
1: yeah This is the thing, right? You're going to say in your head, well, I've already have an account with Uber and they already have my credit card details and I'm going to trust they're doing everything right with that. So I'm just going to carry on using the service because it's so useful when I land at some airport in the middle of the night and there's no, you know.
0: And I think that's actually the case with most of the hacks we hear about. Everyone gets really upset for a week or two. But who actually closes their accounts? And convenience often wins over security, doesn't it? All right, well, after the break, uh, we'll be looking at uh, the stories which piqued our interest this week. So uh, join us after that. Hello, and today's episode of Smashing Security is supported in part by NetSparker. They are the web application and security scanner that can automatically find security flaws in your website and fix them before hackers can exploit them. If you want to automatically check your web applications for cross-site scripting, SQL injection and other vulnerabilities and coding and errors that can leave you and your business exposed to malicious hackers, check out NetSparker. Try it out now by downloading the demo from www.netsparker.com slash smashing and thanks to NetSparker for supporting the show. And welcome back. And one of the stories which really caught my attention this week is a trendy buttered coffee company called Bulletproof. A lot of people ask, why Bulletproof? Why did you come up with the name Bulletproof? Here's the real story bulletproof isn't about being being physically bulletproof bulletproof is about being highly resilient who's bulletproof like superman is bulletproof that's what we all aspire to be and that's actually what we have inside of us have you ever had buttered coffee carol
1: um i think i have had it once but i don't even actually remember what my impression was of it so maybe maybe i never have had it
0: well, Bulletproof claims to do wonders to your brain and help you lose weight. Yeah,
1: I've read about it. I've totally read about it. I just think this is all a pile of garbage, but
0: yes. It sounds awfully trendy and funky. Um, yeah. And uh, when you read up about it, the chap who uh, founded the company, a guy called Dave Asprey, he claims to have spent two decades and over $1 million biohacking himself. I think a biological hack is basically going on a diet. <laughs> but he claims that you can help you can also similarly upgrade your brain like he lifted his IQ by twenty points, he says, and lower your biological age and learn to sleep more efficiently um by drinking his coffee. Ah
1: uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Snake oil. Well <laughs> perhaps
0: <laughs> <laughs> in your humble opinion. Potentially. But not, this, not, not the opinion of the podcast. Well, Bulletproof, unfortunately, has suffered a security incident. They've been sending letters to some of their customers. And they say that they identified uh, in the middle of last month that unauthorised computer code had been added to their website on the page which operates their checkout, where you buy all your beans and ingredients to buy this mega coffee. Right, right. And that means that the bad guys have got your bank card numbers, your expiry dates, your security codes, your names, your postal addresses, and your email addresses. And this was going on from May the 20th to October the 19th. Shut
1: the front door. That's like, is that like six months?
0: Uh, Five months, I think. Wow. Apart from one day, October the 14th, apparently, according to the letter, won't be grabbed. Now, what on earth is that about? Is that because their website was down? I don't. I don't understand. But apparently, October the fourteenth, you're safe. The other days, you've got a problem. Oh, I, I, weird! I can't, I can't begin to understand why that was. Yeah. But, but clearly, the, you know, something seriously and badly went wrong. Although I could find no mention of this on Bulletproof's own website, uh, so you have to wait until your letter comes through. Tell you if you if you've got a problem with this or not. Mm. I thought that maybe what they've done is perhaps a little bit unwise, because clearly they've written their own checkout code, right? They've got their own routines on their website, which are asking you for all of this information to be plugged in. Yeah, And it sounds like they did a pretty poor job. And that is particularly embarrassing for Dave Asprey the CEO of Bulletproof. He says that we take security of our customers' personal information very seriously. Everyone has that ready in their clipboard to cut and paste in every time they have a breach. And they're working hard to strengthen the website. But the embarrassment for Dave Asprey is he used to be a bit of a bigwig in the security industry. He used (laughs) to be director of product management at NetScaler, which was later acquired by Citrix, Mm -hmm. VP at Bluecoat, and get this, Vice President of Cloud Security for Trend Micro. Eek. Eek, Um, eek, eek. So, um, that's rather embarrassing, isn't it? And maybe he needs to drink some more buttered coffee to... um, amp himself up in terms of writing some more secure website code and preventing bad guys from coming in you know Something there's a lot as- of
1: people out there with websites that they may hire a third party to create the website and make it secure as they can at that stage mm-hmm. but then they don't maintain it and they don't keep yep. someone that knows their stuff they just think oh i can update a plugin, or i can you know just do a few little things and things
0: get out of date or things can be broken like this and there's no one there to spot this stuff yeah and They really should probably have spotted that code had been changed on their website for that length of time, particularly on such a critical part of their website where it can't be, you know, compromise is basically disastrous, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, they said they're going to reimburse affected customers for any reasonable documented costs um, if your bank refused to pay you back. And of course, they're full of regret and apologies for this. You have to go out now and change your credit card details, change your credit card number. Well, yeah. I mean, normally your expiry date is a couple of years in advance, isn't it? So the bad guys have got a couple of years to take advantage of it, unless you change your number. Obviously, always makes sense. Keep a close eye on your credit card payments. Look for any unusual transactions, and uh, wake up and smell the Java. Java. Let's hope their website wasn't written with Java. That would be <laughs> awful, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be that would be even worse. <laughs> So, Carell, we don't have a guest this week, so what's your story?
1: Well, over last weekend, um, this was Thanksgiving holiday in the US, uh, the FCC decided to release, well, some would say sneak out, the final draft of its net neutrality proposal. This is the order to roll back the 2015 net neutrality protections that the Obama administration put in place. This rollback means that internet providers like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T will be able to block content. So this is like online services, apps, and websites. And they can also throttle internet services, basically artificially slowing speeds and fast lane those that pay more. So, Mm. you know, imagine, for example, you snuggle down to binge some Netflix only to find that your ISP has made it unwatchable just by throttling the bandwidth Yeah, in order to encourage you to move to a more expensive plan, for example. Or imagine you can't access Facebook or other internet services, or you only have a set number of hours each month.
0: So the scenario might be that when you buy your internet package, you would have to tick the box saying, oh yes, I'd like to be able to watch Netflix, or I'd like it to be sp- Speedier in some fashion, or give me access to these bits of the internet. Otherwise, you go for a cheap option where you sort of get a, a second-class internet. What, that's what everyone is worrying about, exactly. But yeah. it
1: goes worse than that. Imagine also maybe a sensitive political brouhaha is gaining steam, and the ISP decides to block information on the topic, or just provide you with a single, you know, point of view. So,
0: the the, the good news, Carol, is there are no political brouhaha <laughs> exactly at the moment. Things. Things have got really, it's really dull boo out there. In the Smooth politics. sailing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Now, worse than that, okay, any state-level regulations that contradict the FCC's order, okay, the one that they have in proposal right now, would be preempted. So in other words, you can't rely on local legislation to protect you. So according to The Verge, there's only one rule left here, that ISPs have to publicly disclose when they're doing these things. So I guess some might say that on the plus side, you're always going to know when you're getting f***ed. I'm just trying to (laughs) shock you a little bit. Wake you up, you know? Come on. sworn twice now. Now, the FCC gave the public just three weeks to send feedback before the vote's going to be put up um, and the final decision's going to be made. Now, the question is, why would the FCC reveal this over a holiday weekend? You know, they're probably hoping that Americans are too busy stuffing their faces with sweet potato and marshmallow and turkey and all the things that they eat.
0: What, What, all at the same
1: time? (laughs)
0: <laughs> at exactly the same time. Sweet potato with marshmallow yes? and turkey.
1: No, 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 not turkey. So sweet potato and marshmallow is definitely a dish. Really? Yes. That's I've funny. also been fed something that was like horseradish and lime jello as a side <laughs> dish to turkey. I'm not kidding. It, it's, a, it's a challenge. It was I found it challenging on my palate. So basically thinking people would be too distracted by, uh, you know, by their gorge fest to pay any heed to a boring net neutrality story. But boy, did they get it wrong. They should have taken heed. They should have taken heed. The internet scrambled into action. And as Slate puts it, uh, if you're concerned about the fact that the internet could be a very different place in less than two months, now is a very good time to rabble rouse um, so there's a few things going on right now. One is battleforthenet.com. This is a, we've talked about these guys before in an earlier podcast, but this is a site that's dedicated to saving net neutrality. And they've registered already 500,000 calls to Congress on this issue. And protests are uh, to oppose this draft are being organized outside Verizon stores across the country. And these are going to take place on December 7th. Free Press Action Fund has set up a team internet, hashtag team internet. There's a dozen new petitions to fight neutrality on change.org. Reddit is just slammed with people calling for mm-hmm. action. So, and Reddit is actually, there's a really good, um, I'm going to put this in the show notes. There's a really moving post actually by, um, by Reddit to, to the community. And it's a, it's a great read. So all these things are going on. So those people that want to get involved, um, there are things that you can do. Um, What not to do, however, and this is based on a segment on Fox News. So some activists have been going to Ajit Pai's home in suburban Virginia with signs directed at his children. And
0: Ajit Pai is the chap at the FCC.
1: He's the chairman of the FCC. Yes. Yes. Right. So these signs are saying things like they will come to know the truth. Dad murdered democracy in cold blood. That's pretty harsh. So on this, I agree with Pai, like families should just remain out of it. Don't harass people at home. I think they should be completely left out of it. Now, the fact that Donald Trump appointed Jeet Pai to be FCC chairman, and one refers to net neutrality as Obama's net neutrality, seems to kind of have radically Mm. politicized this whole issue. And, Mm. you know, from an outside point of view, I really urge people to ignore the politics here. This is more about deregulating a service that many see as the backbone of of everything, of innovation, of communication, of technology, of free and open
0: internet. And I don't want it to wither and die. I don't want it to be censored. It sounds like the kind of thing which could be good for big businesses and for the telecoms companies, because it's another way to screw more money out of you, but a bad thing for the typical individual really isn't it I mean it's just going to end up with the internet costing you more or you being a second-class citizen because you can't access certain sites or use certain web services
1: yes or maybe you're offering a brand new service or you're a non-for-profit or your school and if they don't have the cash in their back pocket to pay for that super slick highway hmm. so I say if you agree you know if you think net is a good thing you should go and do something about it and there's loads of links in the show
0: notes here but if you don't uh, I expect you have your own good reasons, and uh, they're simply beyond me. <laughs> but I guess, so I guess our message is just because our Lord and Savior Barack Obama thought net neutrality was a good idea shouldn't mean that people who don't like Barack Obama think that net neutrality is a bad idea. Can I just share a factoid with you? Yes, please. How did net neutrality
1: start? It's always been called the Obama thing, but actually, It first started under Michael Powell, who was a Republican-appointed chairman at the FCC. And what happened was in 2005, a small phone company based in North Carolina um, basically began preventing its subscribers from making phone calls using that internet application Vonage because Vonage was a competitor in the phone call market. This action was obviously anti-competitive, so consumers complained, and the FCC uh, promptly fined the company and forced it to stop blocking Vonage.
0: Crow, you are such a font of information. A font of information. Well, I think that's what you say, isn't it? Isn't it font? It's not. It counting. is. It is. is I was. It, have, uh, I, have I done well?
1: I was. I was impressed with you knowing mean, that word.
0: I don't mean font like Helvetica,
1: <laughs> Calibri, <laughs> Tahoma. Now it's a very important time now because we're going to hear from our sponsors, aren't we?
0: Yay! Are you worried that your website might be the back door through which hackers can access your information and steal data? Well, if so, you'll be interested in our sponsor today, NetSparker is a web application security scanner. It can automatically find the flaws in your website security and fix them before hackers can exploit them. You can try it out right now. Download a demo from www.netsparker.com slash smashing. On with the show. And welcome back to that bit of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Everybody on the show chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever you like. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. And my Pick of the Week this week isn't security-related. Good, because it shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> it is instead handy, because um, you watch a lot of YouTube videos, right, Carole? Yeah, I've, I've been known to uh, peruse the YouTube. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, there are YouTube secret keyboard shortcuts. Mm-hmm. I didn't even knew about these. So rather than grabbing your mouse, mm-hmm. you can just quickly flick a finger and pause a video by pressing the K button. Well, sorry, the, spa- the space bar works to pause a video, you know. Okay, yes, we use space as well. But listen, listen. Fast forward with L, yeah. rewind with J, or you can watch frame by frame. Ooh. Forwards or backwards by pressing the dot or comma key. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Pretty funky stuff. So you can just move forward. You can mute or unmute by pressing M. You can turn captions on and off by pressing C. It's actually kind of handy. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. So that is my pick of the week. I'm surprised by your pick for the week cuz I was
1: convinced you were going to talk about something else. Here, let me get the link for you. Let me All get right. the link for you. Okay, okay, there you go. Click on that okay, and tell me if click. you read about this and then tell me why if you have <laughs> why it's not interesting and why it wasn't your pick <laughs> of the week.
0: Okay, so <laughs> you have sent me a link um, about Tom Baker. Oh, I love Tom Baker. Tom Baker was the fourth Doctor Who um, back in the 70s. And the reason why Tom Baker's in the news this week... I don't like to talk too much about Doctor Who because this could become the Doctor Who podcast. No, it will not. Over my dead body. So in 1979, I think we may have mentioned actually in in a past show, there was... A scrapped episode of Doctor Who. They half filmed it. It was called Shada, written by Douglas Adams, well, and it was never Stop showing completed. off! Stop showing off! It's just basic Doctor Who knowledge. <laughs> and um, what the what the Beeb have done is they have released uh, a version where they've animated the missing parts of the uh, of the story. And right at the very end, apparently spoilers of the show, they have some live footage of Tom Baker, who's now about 83 years old in his Doctor Who costume in the TARDIS. They actually filmed it on a grubby old videotape studio with the old console and everything. So it looks like the real thing. Him there with his shock of white hair now, of course. And he's got a few lines and it's rather gorgeous. And <gasps> Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. Sorry. Hey, you were the one who thought this should be my pick of the yeah, week. Yeah, I didn't mean to have a second pick of the week. Well, no, I'm not saying it. You, you were just pointing me at it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do love Tom Baker. I think he's mad as a box of frogs. Um, well, makes but, two uh, of you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sh- I, I've never actually been a fan of Sharda, to be honest. I don't think it's Doctor Who's finest. I story have yet. no idea what you're even a talking long, about. I just saw
1: way. Tom Baker and Doctor Who in the headline, and that was it. Oh, OK. Yeah, it was about right. as deep as that. So, my pick of the week this week is an interview... Uh, show and podcast called The Rubin Report Um, and specifically its most recent episode which is on Bitcoin. So The Rubin Report if you're unaware is a political talk show that airs on YouTube and it's hosted by Dave Rubin and it is actually also a podcast that's where I first heard about it and I've listened to a few shows and think it's quite a cool little podcast where Rubin interviews like some amazing person like an author, an activist, a journalist, comedian professors actors, etc. The latest one is called Bitcoin. How does it work? The interviewee is a first investor in Bitcoin.com and blockchain.com and um, his by name of Roger Ver and it's a really good overview to help you understand the Bitcoin cryptocurrencies ins and outs and it's about an hour long. And it's a really good show to keep in your back pocket over the holidays if your in-laws or someone starts asking you to explain what all this Bitcoin oh, stuff is. Oh, yes. That's
0: yes. Great, yes, that's Because you idea. can send them just the link to the YouTube or if they're podcast listeners, you can send it to them. Or you can pretend to be an expert yourself. You can listen to it and then hopefully pass pass on the wisdom. So what do you think of Bitcoin, Are you Because Bitcoin prices, they've been zooming up. $10,000
1: $10, I read today
0: it's astonishing
1: yeah so early investors obviously are laughing all their way to the bank so it's it's no surprise that this person roger ver is obviously going to be touting the joys of bitcoin and blockchain right yeah um because he certainly has money to make out of it but he makes a lot of good points you know listen because they're all in the press about how much money is going to be made you are going to be asked about it right so may as well have um an easy answer to explain because what if your parents want to start investing in it, right?
0: The Bitcoin bubble has got to burst soon, though, surely, hasn't it?
1: Oh, loads of people are saying that. I don't know how anyone would predict one way or the other.
0: Hmm. It just um, seems to be st- so But it hasn't hot. been going.
1: People have been saying that for about five years.
0: Right, right. You know what? We should do an episode sometime all about blockchain.
1: I agree. I think we um, said that a few episodes ago. I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. My, my brother has been hassling me, saying, when are you going to talk about blockchain? Um, Does he really talk like that? Jeez, poor guy.
1: I haven't seen him in a while, so. Ooh.
0: Well, thank you very much, Crow, for that pick of the week. We've got a guest lined up for next week. So we that's do. fun, isn't it? Yeah.
1: We have a special surprise for what? our year end show, don't we? Yes, we do. Yep,
0: yeah. no, no, no. Just saying.
1: Zip, zip, zip. Just saying.
0: Yeah, we've got some surprises in store. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast in Apple iTunes or your favourite podcast app um, so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Smashing Security. We've had a G and we're also on Facebook. <laughs> Look for the Smashing Security group up there. And we've got swag as well. You can buy not just T-shirts, you can buy mugs and you can buy cushions. Very pillows. ginormous cushions
1: you can buy. Can't you, Graham? Well. And give them to your friend as a
0: birthday present. <laughs> It's pretty cool, though, isn't it? I saw a photo of you, and you seem to be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Go to smashingsecurity.com store. That just about wraps it up. All that remains is to say thank you for tuning in. If you know someone else who might like the show, please tell them about it. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Later, guys. Goodbye. I'm, I'm going to press stop.
1: What? at this stage i think george bush is my lord and savior as well
0: which one, the one... <laughs> i don't mind <laughs> one with the compared, compared oh. to what's
1: going on right now oh no no god you can't see that he was involved oh. with the harassment stuff
0: yes that's what's <laughs> it
1: i i missed i didn't i was talking i didn't hear you yeah i don't want him yuck get your hands
0: off me what's your favorite dickens book <laughs> for all